Living life to the fullest till it's overflowing. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> I guess this is a good morning um, for um, snoozing a little bit because, <clears throat> well, Cyril, Cyril and I are the only ones on, and he, he has us muted because he's trying to he's checking on us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Who is this? Paulette. Oh, okay. Yes. I couldn't. I couldn't hear you as well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No problem. How are you doing this morning? I'm living life to the fullest was overcome. That's all I can <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a blessing right there. Yes, Thank it you. is. Blessing, yes, blessing. it is. Yes. Who's on? Yes. You and is that Sandra? That's the Susan. Oh, yes, this is Susan Hall from the beautiful city of Hollywood, South Carolina. Oh, you're fixing. <laughs> you see all the houses they're fixing to build in Hollywood? No. Oh, ma'am. You're fixing to get slammed, jammed. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I think you're going to have 500 homes being built there. Where? Oh, I'm not directly. In Hollywood. I'm not directly in Hollywood after they rezone things. They changed our area to Hollywood. But back in the days, it was Young's Island. Oh, yeah, Young's Island. Yeah, Young's Island. Yeah, but they don't use that anymore. They use it as Hollywood, even with the schools. The school there's a grower down, down there that I like to go to. He um, mm-hmm. there's a grower down there that I like to go to. He grows um, it's a, I don't actually know the real name for them, but they're called tractor seeds. They, it's a plant that looks like a flat leaf, and then a big daisy blooms out of it in the fall. Oh, I um, he, I don't know, he, I don't know what that one. <laughs> yeah, he 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 grows them down there. Oh, I, probably. I well, probably you must be talking about um, Jack Sand. Is the flowers? Is the flowers? Um, business. Yeah, he got, he's actually got a greenhouse down there and grows all kinds of stuff. Probably it, um, it is probably it is um, Jack Sanders' children because I oh, know okay. yeah in Fairview. Oh, you don't know the exact location? Uh, I don't know the exact location, but I thought it was Young's Island, part of Young's Island. Yeah, well, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, like I forestated, the names of these places have changed since mm-hmm. since down through the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're going to build 500 houses there. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Are they widening the roads? <laughs> no, I didn't say nothing about the road now. They just oh, said they're going to be 500 houses. They haven't good. widened the roads on John's Island and they had a neighborhood a day. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Over here. Yes, ma'am. So, Mr. Sarah, did, you, <clears throat> did you get on that site and look at some of those houses? Were you able to get on there mm-hmm. on that website? Um, I kind of stopped after I stopped talking to you. I don't know whether something came on the TV or I fell asleep or something. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> That's how my little happy self is going. Yes, ma'am. You're yes. definitely going okay. Yes, ma'am. I'm going. Yes, ma'am. If I could All go tomorrow, right. I would be there. Okay. Carlette yes, is moving ma'am. to 
to Winsboro, a little uh, a little village, a little town out uh, close to Columbia. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, be with her. Give her kind neighbors in the yes. name of Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Bless you. Bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when are you leaving? Oh, my son um, gets out um, the end of June of this oh, year, okay. 2021. Mm-hmm. And um, he's all he's been offered quite a few positions already up there, and um, oh, okay. he really doesn't want to come back to this area either. No, no, and that's not that's not um, good. Let him yeah. um, let him um, find a new. And home he's doing so well there. And um, leave the memory in the past. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. He's doing so well leave there. Leave the memory in the past and look yes, for. Ma'am. Yes, Look ma'am. Look for a blessed future. Yes, Amen. ma'am. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been on quite a few job sites for the county, and people have just pulled up and said, oh, you Ron says, yeah. And he says, I need you to get in the truck and come with me and look at this. And Ron <laughs> says, I can't yeah, that's, good. <laughs> so that's good. That's good that God has given him favor already. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, and that's the kind of God we serve, a God yes. that opens doors for us, yes, mm-hmm. that no man can shut and give us favor. Amen. And it's just that we need to know which is the right. favor of God and which is the favor of the enemy. And yes, after ma'am. I said that to you, God dropped what I just stated to you. Got to Amen. know the difference between the favor of God and the favor of the enemy. Because if you don't know the favor of God from the enemy, you will get yourself in trouble. Amen. That's what I heard God Mm -hmm. said. Um, I have another story to tell real quick. Miss Collette? Just give me one second, Miss Collette. Miss Vera, are you there? Yes, I am. I am. Okay, so you will do the communion. Um, Pastor Keith yes. is not able to join today, so no worries. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Ms. Collette, please continue. Yeah. I'm sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's working with a very nice boss who lets him call me daily from his phone. Oh, and, that's uh, a blessing. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And it, he was supposed to come um, out yesterday, and the man said that he's going to bring him out on Saturday to a job site, and I can come see him. <laughs> Oh, isn't that a blessing? Yes, Isn't that a blessing? But that's good that you yes, have. Ma'am. That's good that you have. I don't know what word to to use, but I could not. Oh, I cried yes, and I cried coming back. And yes, ma'am. I couldn't go but once a month. And oh, because. When I go, go, I start crying. But my husband is my husband is deceased since um ninety four, and I would have to go by myself because my youngest son, he had already was didn't like going there, so I didn't force him to go. But that's good. You have someone to ride with you. Yes, ma'am. I'm she can ride by herself. She rides uh, by herself. 
Thank oh, you, well, that's good. well, that's good. You, um, God mm-hmm. gives you that you, yeah, but, I mean, you can ride I can by yourself. And sit and on his little job site, he said, I could sit there and talk to him. Oh, you know, I can even bring him on. That yes, is ma'am. God. Yes, ma'am. He's going to bring mm-hmm. him out on a Saturday so I can come up there and see him. Oh, yes, that's 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 take your mask and wear your mask because you don't oh, want to give him. I will. I will. <laughs> yes. I'm going to get all that, Mom. Yeah. Um, good morning, yep. Pastor. Good morning, everybody. This is Viola. Good morning. And somebody morning. else is going on. Sandra White. Hey, Sandra White. We're so glad you're here this morning. And Viola, and I, did I hear three beats? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so glad y'all are here this morning. Praise the Lord. Happy Praise morning. the Lord. Thank you. Oh, yes, I'm glad I'm here. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, This wonderful fall season. Oh, I'm just enjoying this this cool weather. <laughs> it is. Beautiful. I love it. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love it. I love it. This is one of my favorite seasons. Mine too. This is my favorite season. I love this. This is mine. This is definitely my favorite season. is my favorite. I tell you, I love it. I love it. I love it. Is Sonia on here yet? Nope, Sonia, that's Fred Lee's daughter. She's usually on before Fred Lee. I was just checking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Let's see, the time is around. It's 8.22. They'll start popping in the time moving fast. <laughs> it is. I mean, probably the coolness of the weather. Probably the coolness of the weather has them to um. Yeah. Lay a little longer. That's what it is. Cause mm-hmm. um, when I called my sisters, when I called Willa May, she didn't even. Uh-huh. She just, you know, she usually uses her box, and she just right. kind of let me know she was on. I said, oh, okay, wonderful, time, wonderful. time to get up. Time. She didn't yeah, want to wake up last Sunday. Last Sunday was so cool, too. I had to have Janie. I said, Janie, I don't have time to call with me again. Call her for me. <laughs> and Janie has a, a brand-new granddaughter. Oh, wonderful. Yes, a brand-new so granddaughter. So how many grand um, children she has? She has uh, one, two, three. This three. This is number three. Oh, Each one of her oh, children okay, has one. Okay. Yeah, she has three. Yes. Okay, this is her first girl. Yeah, this is the first girl, the first grand girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. And she came early, but she um she came weighing four pounds, um, 14 ounces, and that's only two ounces away from being um, five, five pounds. Oh, and I told her, oh. I told her, don't worry, because I can gain four pounds in a day. So, <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> oh, so she, 
shouldn't be a problem. I said, she's related to me. Shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> she was due uh, four weeks from now, four weeks and some days from now. She was due in um, October, but praise God, the Lord brought her on when he he wanted her to come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Good morning. Somebody else has joined. This is Mommy. Hey, Mommy. Hey, Mommy. Yeah. How y'all doing? We're fine. Yeah, good, good. 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 I'm waiting for Tony to come to fix it. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing this morning? I'm fine. How about yourself? Living life to the fullest till it's overflowing. I was just calling your name. I said, she's usually on before a mom. (laughs) (laughs) We're glad you're here. This is like... Go ahead. This Lisa McLean. Oh, Lisa! I'm, you know what? I thought I thought you were Sonia. That's I, we are so glad you're on. This is um, this is uh, Matt's mother-in-law and Devin's oh, mom. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking you said Sonia. Okay, praise the Lord. We're so glad you're here. Yes. yes. Both of you are going to be grandma soon. What? That's right. It won't be long. I told Devin last night, don't get jealous from uh, Sarah, my niece. She said, oh, no, she already talked to baby Higgins. To let baby Higgins know, don't come before time. (laughs) Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're so happy, I tell you. We're so blessed. So blessed, so blessed. Good morning. Somebody else joined. Good morning, Edna Poinsett. Hey, Poinsett. Hi. So glad you're here. Yeah, same here. Thank you, Lord. This cooler, this cooler weather has gotten our our little congregation moving a little slower. Showing <laughs> <laughs> <in> the age. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Good morning. Good morning, That's Brenda. Hey, Brenda. Hey. How you doing this Good morning. morning? Good morning, Good morning, Good morning, Good morning, Good morning, Iola. Oh, you, you recognize my voice over all the others? <laughs> That's why I said, because I know you would say that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, good morning. Hey. For those of you who may not have heard, Reverend Charles Stanley is retiring. And, oh, yeah, um, I heard, yeah. Yes. Good morning. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Yes, it's Barbara. Good morning, Barbara. 
Good morning. Yes, and, and uh, today on his first uh, message, he didn't do a message. He did, um, his son interviewed him. Um, this is his, they're celebrating his 88th birthday. I That's did right. that Oh. Yeah, you can oh. it again. He comes on several times during the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can also go online and, and pick it up as well. Good morning, whoever else came on. We're so glad you're here. Good morning. This is Katina from Maryland. Good morning. Hey. Hi, sweet girl. That's my girl, y'all. <laughs> yes. Hey. Hey, Hello. A couple go. Did Did uh, Sonia come on? I don't know. I don't, I, oh. I, I thought Sonia was um. Uh, I checked to see. I said Sonia is usually on before her mom, and I thought when Devin's mom came on, I thought that was <laughs> that was Sonia. <laughs> she may be sleeping this morning. Just tell her hey for me if she doesn't get on today when she calls. She'll get on. She'll probably get on after we start. Yeah, yeah. Sir, we have one minute, wherever you are. I'm back here, Miss Heather. This is crazy, Lord. 829. Time goes so quickly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like I just sat down here. Mm. Yes, ma'am. What that time did you sign on, Sarah? I signed on uh, at eight o'clock, or maybe a few minutes before. I can't remember. Oh that. golly! Yeah. You ran your mouth that long? Damn! <laughs> you know it's not hard. It's not. Hard. That's one of my gifts. You know we're we're talking about gifts. That's one of my gifts. <laughs> <laughs> And believe it or not, the enemy tried to stop me as a little kid. He didn't want me to talk. I was shy. Uh-oh, 830. 830, I'll, I'll hush. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Um, let's uh, have Miss Susan just let's start us off this morning with her yes, prayer. Sir. And then yes, we'll sir. yes, sir. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for Hallelujah. this day. We are grateful for having you in our lives. Forgive us for our sins of omission and commission. Father, you are our God. We thank you. I am covering myself, the listeners, and our family members with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Father, give us and our seed favor and divine favor as well as direction for each day. And, God, we thank you for the favor that you have given one of the listeners' sons. We thank you so much, God. Open doors of favor for this ministry and the listener. Father, we thank you for the great messages that we receive on Friday night. Prepare our heart and our mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Bless your servant for giving us the word we need on this morning. In Jesus' name, our soul loves you, and we want to please you. Keep us in our seed under your blood. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to put us all on mute. Go ahead and have a seat. Enjoy the rest of the morning. Okay. Hold on a second. The conference has been muted. Wonderful. Good morning. This morning, I was thinking it is a it is a great message. Uh, every time I go and like uh, prepare for a message like this, there's so much that I'm learning in this journey. Um, but it, this is this morning we're going to be talking about the Ephesians chapter six, and uh, we started this journey last week, and we'll take a couple of weeks to go through these words in this chapter, right? And one of the things that I want to say is that these kind of chapters where Paul has like so much of insight to it. So if you have like a paper, pen, um, just have them ready because it's a a lot of good content that, you know, where Paul is just like unpacking for us in these chapters. And uh, my prayer is that, that this will be a blessing for you as much as it's a blessing for me. So today... Because the subject is tiny bit heavy, I wanted to start with something funny. There was this uh, group of women on a Saturday morning went to a mall. After they went to the mall, they just like realized that after finishing all their shopping, it didn't even strike to them until that point that until they finished all the shopping, the one car that they were driving on the keys to that car, they left it inside the car. So they were frantically calling um, this one lady that, ha- that was driving. She just called her husband, who was 50 miles away from that space, so he can come and open the car. So he started coming, and as he was coming halfway through, one of the four ladies that came together was just like walking around the car, and she opened the back door. This is a four-door car, and the door was open, right? And so she said, like, oh, my God, when your husband gets here, he's going to get you. (laughs) You made him come 50 miles on an open car. And so the wife turned around and said, oh, no, he's not. She put the keys back in, locked all the doors, and stood outside. The thing is, a lot of times, this, this, this is something that is very funny and has nothing to do with the message today. But, you know, the thing is, when we go into the Word of God, there should be like a, a, a peace and just like a joy and just like a have laughter. And I really wish um, we have these lines open so we can just like hear you smile and laugh, okay? With that said, I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 13, we're just going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, if you have your Bibles. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is where we spent our entire uh, morning last week, where Paul is talking about how we need to be strong. We, we talked about like a how um, the, the rock kazak, the amats, rock kazak amat. That's what we were talking about, how David was running against Goliath without even thinking. 
whether he's going to win or not because he was serving a God. He is serving a God who is a God of impossibilities. Right? We saw the words that we can put it on, the, on, on our fridges and the places where we can see so that we can talk to ourselves just like a David did when he had a problem in Ziglag. He was talking to himself. He encouraged himself. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that David encouraged himself in the Lord, right? And that's the, that's the place where we draw our strength from. We need to be mentally strong when facing the tough situation. There are so many wimpy Christians out there. We're not, you know, want to be one of them. That's what Paul, that's what Paul is saying. You know, we're going to take this words and apply to us to be a strong mother, to be a strong father, to be a strong husband, to be a strong wife. That's what this, these words and the verses are talking about. He doesn't want us to be like relaxed in this battle that we are in. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the enemy. Right? For we do not wrestle against the flesh and the blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts, of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Twice within these three verses, he says, put on the whole armor of God, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil days, evil day, and having done all to stand. Father God, I come before you, throne of grace, one more time this morning. As, as we go into this word, Father, let the clarity of your word show up this morning in our midst, that we will be able to stand against this enemy in the days to come, that you will speak to us very clearly about the areas we need to be careful about. God, I pray that you become alive for us as we speak through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today morning, I have just wanted to make this message titled, Know Your Enemy. Know your enemy. Know you are fighting against. The enemy that we are dealing with has a strategy, and we need to have one as well as we go into a battle. We all know we are in a war. Is there anyone in this line that can say, no, brother, I don't have a battle at all in my life. Um, my life, the last 30 years, has been very simple. There's no complexity in my life. There, there is always, like when I go to the store, everything that I want is showing up right in front of my eyes. When I come out, my marriage is strong. No one can say because there is always this battle. There's a war that's going on in our life, and the enemy is real and he's fighting against us, and we need to have a strategy. And Paul is saying here, we are not wrestling against 
the flesh and blood. If, if anything this morning you're thinking that this fight is like the fight that you had with your husband, the fight that you had with your boss, the fight that you had with your children, erase all of them because today we're going to talk about what is this fight is all about. What is that that Paul is talking about? What is this spiritual force that is aggravating us every single day? That's why we need to know who we are warring against. We are not warring against another human being. We are warring against a demonic force, right? But Jesus proved his authority, even though we are going to be talking about all these things today. Know this for sure, that these verses that the Bible has is, has nothing to do with all the principalities and the powers and everything, nothing to do with elevating the enemy. We serve a God that is much bigger than the one that is in the world. The Bible says uh, uh, that the, the greater is he that is in me than that is he in the world. In fact, when Jesus was in this earth, he had such an authority over the, the principalities and the powers of darkness. He proved it again and again. That's why demons were pleading with Jesus to not chase them away. People were marveled when, when they saw how Jesus had an authority over the principalities and the powers of darkness. Disciples one time came running to Jesus, praising God, saying the demons were surrendering to the name of Jesus. You have, we have to understand that angels are divided into two kinds, the good and the bad, right? And in that spiritual world, there is always a war going on between the good and bad angels or the bad spirits, right? But know this, that only one-third of the angels were kicked out of the heaven. That means two-thirds is still sitting in heaven fighting this battle. And, the, and so they're already outnumbered. So when I talk about today all the things that we're going to be talking about, know this for sure. We're fighting from the angle of victory. We're fighting from the angle of like a completed battle, right? When we read in, in Jude chapter 9, verses 9, it says, Michael, the archangel, is contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not to bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So what is Jude writing? There is this archangel named Michael, that's why the Catholic Church has such a high regard for this angel, Michael the archangel. He comes in multiple places in the Bible. He, he comes in Jude chapter 9. He comes in Revelation 12, verses 7 and 8. It says, a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they, the dragons and dragons' angels, that's the they, did not prevail. 
nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Right? So there's always this battle that's going on. Psalms 2, 1 through 9 talks about this. Right? So before we, we even talk about all these things, know this. Greater is he. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right? The Bible says that first verse, the first part of verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood. We have heard this verse said so many times from the pulpit. I've heard this verse so many times from the pulpit, but I have never understood why was Paul talking about wrestle and flesh and blood, right? So I wanted to go back to the root of what he is writing about, right? This book, the book of Ephesians, was actually written to the Greeks, okay? The Greeks are just very, um, at that point in time, very sophisticated people, right? And the word that is used here, the root word for wrestle is called poly. P-O-L-Y, poly, right? When, when we read that word, that word actually means nothing to us because we have no idea what Paul is talking about when he used the word poly, right? But the Greeks knew what this word means, what Paul is writing about. That's why we need to transform ourselves. We need to take ourselves to the first century, and we have to read this word from the perspective of the reader who, for whom this book was written for. Right? It was an athletic term used in those days. Poly is an athletic term. Right? And when people read that today, we, when they read that today, we probably will not get the meaning. Why? Because that sport is no longer available today in the normal terms. There are some fragments of that is still there, but it was not like that when it was written originally. Polly. Today, when somebody talks about football or basketball in this country, we actually know because we talk about it all the time. ESPN talks about it all the time. Football and basketball and baseball, right? We know how they are played. We know because our sons and daughters have played in schools and colleges and nationally. We sit before them every Sunday afternoon. We know how football is played, how basketball is played, how baseball is played. But in here, Paul is talking about poly, right? When readers read that in those days, it brought so many imagery for them in their minds, and that's where I want to go to this morning. This word actually derived also from another word called polestra, polestra, right? So every time Greeks, had their environment set. This is like a, how we Indians do, 
Chinese do. When they come into a certain place, we occupy. Italians do. That's why in New York we have Little Italy. Or, or in California we have Chinatown. We just like to occupy that place. And in fact, they say when the Chinese occupy the place in certain areas, the, the land value goes up because they just like to bring so much of their culture and things like that in those days. Nowadays, after Corona, I don't know how much Chinese are going to lift the value of the land. I don't know about that part. But the thing is this, we try to have our place, our environment built just like how the Greeks do, the Romans do, everybody, right? They set up their environment just like how they are in their home country, right? So when Greeks go into a certain land, they want to have certain things in their city that they're working on. They, they, they need to have a big theater where they can go and watch the, the, the different plays. They want to have like a government, there is a place for all the government buildings. They want to have a giant library. They want to have a good marketplace where they can go to. They want to have a gym in that city. Uh, it's usually a public facility. And along with the gym, they always had this building called Polestra. This is one of those facilities that they felt they needed to have with their, you know, their culture. Polestra, right, usually it's a place, it's a facility that is attached to the gym but it is slightly different from the gym. Gym is a public facility where people came to, to get trained on so many different sports. But Palestra is not like that. It's a place to, where the combat sports were held. It's a house of fierce conflict or combat sports are conducted. There are three sports that were played in Palestra, right? The, the, the three sports that they were playing in that building was always bloody. And only mature audience, if uh, someone like a Hollywood is taking um, a, a, a movie uh, of Palestra, they will say PG-13, because they didn't want the kids to be there. They want adults to enjoy this sport, right? Three sports that were played in, the, in that place. One is boxing. Second one is wrestling. And the third one is called Pancration. Pancration. I will talk about the Pancration um, because I'm still working on that word a little bit. Okay, we'll come back to it. But all these three sports that they were playing were very serious to these men. And that one of the three, boxing, wrestling, and pancreation, right? One of the three is wrestling, which is also known as poly, right? And that's the word that Paul is using in this context. The men, when they walked into the, this facility where they played these combat sports. They were always so serious about these sports. They, in fact, they fought in this place naked. 
because they didn't want the body, the, the, the dresses to just like bother them while they're fighting in this place. They were serious to bring their opponent down or bring their opponent into submission. You can do anything in that games, in these three games. You can beat them, you can punch them, you can grouch them, you can put your hands into their eyes. You can do all these kind of like horrific things in that room. As long as you can bring your opponent to submission, you can do anything. There are certain rules, but there's like the, 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 the sports are very bloody, right? When you talk about like how these guys play boxing, don't think like how the boxers are doing today with so many of these like uh, the etiquettes that they have in boxing. In those days, these guys were wearing leather straps from their elbow to their fingers, right? And, and in the knuckles where the fingers are, they had like small nails attached to them. So they didn't just box. They went after this enemy. They want them to hurt the enemy right? And so their objective was to win, but also more important objective for them in the sport is never to surrender to the enemy, right? Wrestling was even more horrific. That's the word. Polly was even more horrific. They can even break bones. Everything is permitted to do only one thing, bring your enemy or opponent to surrender. Pankration, that's the third sport. When someone survives or wins, actually, I shouldn't say the word survived. The one who played the sport were always the one who has already won a wrestling and a boxing. So the one that is fighting this third sport is actually a winner of both wrestling and boxing. And they come from different cities. They fight with nails and rocks, the bags of rocks and all kinds of dangerous equipment. And their objective is to bring their opponent to surrender. In fact, the third sport that they're talking about, Pentatrion, is not even there anymore or not even equivalent to anything that we uh, even have close to watching these days. Paul is warning us in this chapter to take this battle seriously. That's why he used the word poly, Palestrian games. The devil doesn't follow any rules these days, but just to hurt you, drive you to submission. He wants to get you to a place where you surrender and not fight back. He wants you to surrender when you are sick and you are fighting for your healing. He, he wants you to surrender in your marriages. He wants you to attack your finance so bad that you will give up and surrender. But John, 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me read this one more time, this word from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2. Hopefully, I'm bringing in some imagery for you because this imagery is very important as we read through the next pieces of this verses. 
For we do not wrestle, we do not poly against the flesh and blood. This wrestle here is talking about this bloody situation that they had. That's why Greeks understood, and Paul didn't have to explain this any further. And then he says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Right? All this that he's talking about, he talked about the, the, the poly, but it, he's saying now the word against is used four times against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness, against right, the, the ones that are sitting in high places with the spiritual wickedness. Four times he uses the word against. He could have explained it with just one time using the word, but Holy Spirit must have inspired on him to drive home a point. The word here against that is being used is, is from a root word called prost, which means an intimate contact, right? This, the same word actually was used in, in John chapter 1, verses 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word here is in the same context that it is inseparable. There is such an intimacy between the Father and the Son. The word here, the width here that is used in John 1, 1 is the word that says that we come face to face with God, inseparable. Right? Paul's making a point that this battle is intimate. And it comes very close to us. It, it may not happen on every day, normal happening. This is not happening every day for some of us. But when it happens, the enemy is, will not fight from distance, but closer to you and your family. That's why we need to have the spiritual weaponry that he's talking about. Now let's talk about a little bit about the four levels of these demonic powers that he's talking about, right? Against principalities, right? against this, this, this personal uh, king that they have made to themselves. Uh, uh, the, the word, the principalities, is actually rooted from archus. The, the, the word in English is chief or superior, high powers. Right? And, and, and the thing is this, this, this word um, uh, that, the, the, that the enemy um, has, like a, they also have a hierarchy, and that's what Paul's talking about. There is a hierarchy that we are dealing with, right? And, 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 and you can see that principalities is, is just like a, the highest, like a chief of all the uh, different minions that are out there, right? We read that in Daniel chapter 10, verses 13. But the, 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 there was a moment in time Daniel got on his knees and he started to pray. And he was praying for three weeks. And after three weeks of like a nonstop prayer, finally the angel shows up and says, I am here to give you a word. But I was stopped in the middle by a, 
a king or a prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. And behold, Michael, again, this macho angel, right? One of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. So there was this principality, this like a demonic entity that was overseeing Persia. It was intercepted and we were fighting. Michael came and fought with me and released. So what is he saying? The principalities, there are principalities that are controlling our cities. There are principalities that are controlling our state. There are principalities that are controlling our nation. They, they have this hierarchical status of, of these demonic forces. And that's why when you go into certain cities, you can actually see the distress in those cities. We used to drive to, towards like a, you know, some of the cities beyond Monroe. When I'm driving there, you can feel there is like a, 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 a stress and that uh, there is something that is like not right because the ruler of that city has just been damaging different things without any rules. I heard Pastor Jenkins in, in, in near the Maryland area one time talk about like how we cannot win the violence with violence. That's what we end up doing because at the end of it, the enemy wins with our brothers and sisters dying on the streets. That's what he wants. He wants a destruction. The Bible says he comes to steal. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy us, right? And in fact, without knowing all the schemes of this enemy, we actually bend down and give it to him by killing brothers and brothers against brothers and sisters against sisters. I mean, this is, this is exactly what the enemy wants. He probably is out there sitting, clapping his hands because without our understanding, we are actually executing on his behalf. Every city has a characteristic. Every city that characteristic of that city is also driven by this enemy of that city. That's why we need to bind the enemy of the city. When I come into Charleston, I feel the spirit of Python in that spirit of Python all around that city. You know what Python does? Python never kills a person by biting them. Python just like it takes the oxygen out of one's body and just lets them choke. That's what the spirit does. It's just like a taking the oxygen out of the people so they fall from fighting. They don't have energy to fight anymore. You need to bind that enemy of that city. Charlotte has uh, uh, this whole the, the city of Charlotte has this spirit of prostitutions everywhere where four cities meet. This is where the girls, they say that most number of girls are exchanged in the truck uh, tops because four different states meet in Charlotte. Right? And the thing is this. We 
We are fighting against an enemy who's ruthless principalities. But the Bible says Jesus has paid it all. Colossians chapter 2.15 says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, in another version says, having disarmed the powers and the principalities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. They are, they're in the cross, Jesus won the victory. There is a song I really, really like, and it says, uh, uh, Jesus paid it all. You might have heard the song. This song is so beautifully written. And there is a place in the song, it says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left, had left, a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it away. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall repeat. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, he washed it white as snow. That's how the song goes. And in fact, it says, Praise to the one who paid my debt, raises life from the dead. Jesus paid it all. He made a public spectacle of this enemy. He destroyed the powers of darkness when he went to the rugged cross, fulfilling the prophecy that was written in Genesis chapter 3, verses 15, that your seed will crush the head of the serpent. Jesus did that. Revelation 20, verses 1, 2, 3. How do I respond to this enemy? How do I respond to this enemy. The Bible has a clear way to respond. When you go around the city that you're living in, use the verses to bind that enemy. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Use that word to bind the enemy, bind the principalities of your city. No one can, Mark 3.27 says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed, he may plunder his house. You want the souls to be saved in your city? Bind that enemy first. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 24 and 25, this is what is so critical for us to understand. This verse actually changes my perspective of my God. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 24, 25 says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty? Can we take the souls from the hands of this enemy or the captive 
of the righteous be delivered? This is a question Isaiah is battling in his head. Oh my God, I see my kids making mistakes in the cities across this nation. The families are getting separated. The businesses are falling among the people who worship the Lord. How can I just, this is a battle that Isaiah was going through in Isaiah 49 verses 24 and 25. And God answers him when Isaiah asked and toiled with this idea. The Lord said to him, even the captivity, captives of the mighty shall be taken away. He's answering the, the prophet saying, absolutely, I will bring the captives from the hands of the mighty. And the prey of the terrible will be delivered for I will contend with him who contends with you. In other words, the Bible says, God telling us, I will fight with him who fights with you. Look at the next verse of that. It says, I will save your children. It didn't say, I will save your nation. I will save your country. It didn't say, I will save your, your, your businesses or uh, your homes and things. I will save your children. God is very clear about his battle plan. We need to get with his plan. The second verse of this chapter, uh, 6 verses 12, second part of this verse, it says, against powers. What does it mean by powers? These demonic forces have powers. These are powers to keep the people in bondage. There is a leader who sits on the tower of the city. Every city has a principalities. Every nation has a principalities. But underneath the principalities, he has roaming spirits that can do whatever they want, whenever they want. They are at loose. They are delegated spiritual powers from the principalities. They're given power to that city by the head of their city. Luke talks about it in chapter 13, verses 1. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself. But Jesus, when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosened from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. This woman was struggling for 18 years. She was bent down, but she couldn't lift herself back up. There was power, the powers that are around us to keep us in bondage. If we don't deal with the powers that keeps us in pornography and drug addiction and slandering tongues, these spirits will keep us in the same bondage. In the end, Satan and his minions, right? There's principalities and the powers and all these minions. They want to capture the minds of the people. The mind is a citado of the soul. This is like a house, like this is like a governor's mansion for the soul. 
He con- when he controls the mind, he controls your strategic places. So the, the second one, the powers, are roaming spirits. Right? The third one, against the rulers of darkness, we, we, are bow, we are in a bow with the dark, dark things happening in this world. Paul, in fact, is using a root word for is, is cosmos kletos. The, the, the word cosmos means ordered, disciplined, and arranged, or arranged, and arranged. Cosmos, that's why people refer to cosmos, this universe as a cosmos, because there is some order and discipline and how things are arranged on this universe, right? Kratos means raw power. But if you put them both together, the raw power, the kratos, when it is harnessed with order, organized and disciplined and arranged, look at it this way. The enemy has the rulers of darkness that he has underneath them that has the power, the raw power to, to bring destruction, but he's also harnessed with the order and discipline an arrangement. This is almost like the training camp or, or the boot camp of darkness. That's why it's called the rulers of darkness. Darkness is also like a symbol of ignorance and misery and sin. And, and there's no other accurate way to describe darkness, right? But the ruler of the darkness, the job of the ruler of the darkness is to keep the earth wretched and ignorant and sinful. Just as he just chooses to to be in that place, to keep us in in the place of ignorance, right? And the Ephesians chapter 2 verses 2 talks about this, the rulers of darkness as well, of how we actually give ourselves to this enemy, right? You might think like, why is God not doing anything about it? We'll come to that in a minute, okay? But the thing is this, just because when Saul was not doing a good job and Samuel went and anointed David, Saul didn't leave David alone. He went after, chased him out of the kingdom and he wanted to kill. That's exactly what the enemy is trying to do. He wants to take the sons and daughters down, right? And then the fourth one, against the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places, or in some place, some, some version says, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. The word high places here, the root word for that does not refer to high places. It refers to the atmosphere of the mountaintop. The air above the mountaintop or the air below the mountaintop, right? But the, the versions in English is not so well translated. We are not actually seeing that the powers of darkness, the spiritual wickedness is actually not above the mountaintop because that's where heaven is. But below the mountaintop where we are, that's where these malignant spirits of nicotine, spirits of cancer, addiction, perversion, 
right? They all, all they do is like they're trained to do only one task. Their book can train them to cause damage only in one area, but they do it so well, right? But don't think of devil or the enemy like a vampire that you see during the days of Halloween, right? They, they don't come like a, dressed with the blood all over, but instead they come nicely dressed, luring you and me into Las Vegas. Where do I see these, these kind of like a, the, the spiritual um, uh, wickedness in, in high places? We see them today in every place that we see, but we don't see them. This enemy has the control of the media. This enemy has the control of our government. This enemy has the control of our educational system. They always go after the people in high places and bring the wickedness through them into the cities. The well-known fact is that Hitler right, guided the men was guided by the men who were involved in a cult, who were known for masters of white magic. What is happening here at that time was that Hitler was hypnotized by the white magic, masters of white magic. The people that are sitting in high places, right, are being controlled by these demonic spirits the wickedness of these demonic spirits, the church. This is the worst part of all. We have caved into this enemy even within the churches. That's why it is very hard to fight because some of these churches and the preachers of these churches, they come on TV. They're asking people to give their money, right? No problem. They're asking for some of them are truly asking for the right reasons, but many of them are asking and telling the people that God will multiply your money. Give $1,000. God can give you $2,000. Give $100. He will multiply 100 times. Right? Some of them are so blatant, they are asking people to even use credit cards. How treacherous is this? Right? I know there is a church in Charlotte who are not putting cross in their church. How can a church not have a cross? And the people are flocking into these churches in high numbers. Churches are putting, like some of these mega churches, in their air conditioner, they're putting certain type of essence that brings the smell of a church. Why the wickedness has gone into these high places, right? The disobedience to the word of God leads us into the spiritual wickedness. Once we get into that kind of a place, even church leaders, we get like a soul open for the enemy to occupy our minds, which then leads into people led in wrong direction by our government leaders, 
by our church leaders, by our, our uh, companies, the leaders of the companies, the CEOs. The enemy attacks them first. And that's why Jesus says in John 10.10 10, that he comes to steal and kill, steal and destroy, right? And he is using every possible way. We see that even in Genesis chapter 3. When the, when the serpent comes and talks to the Eve, she, the, the way in which the serpent tells the woman is that, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of garden? Woman said to the serpent, we may eat from every tree, but from this one tree. Look at how the, the, the serpent is saying, you will not surely die, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Right? There are people who seemingly, even in the high places within the spiritual realm, they treat themselves equivalent to God. Anytime you elevate a path, you know, get a pedestrian to elevate yourself to that high places, you have to be extremely careful. The leaders of the ministry have to be extremely careful. The leaders of the church have to be extremely careful. Otherwise, we will fall so far down with our arrogance and our wrong theology and with all wrong doctrines. The people on the pedestal in high places, they are the target of this spiritual wickedness. The, the spirits are instructed to go after the heads of the states. Here's the conclusion of all. John 10.10 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. We've seen it. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Enemy comes to steal, destroy, and kill, but Jesus comes to give us life and the life to the fullest. Romans chapter 8 says, it in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor the things present, nor the things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we see the power of enemy, we are so awed by this power, but we are failing to see the magnificence of the Lord and his majesty. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There was a pastor that I really love dearly. His name is Pastor Rick Renner, right? He went to the Lord one time and he was asking God, if all these things are true, then why are Christians still falling into this pit? If John 10.10 10 is true, if 1 John 4.4 4 is true, why are these Christians, us as Christians, living a broken life? Right? God explained it to him, saying, the devil has something that the church does not have. Let me repeat this one more time. 
The devil has something that the church does not have. So he asked the Lord, what is it, Lord? What is that the devil has? And Lord explained it to him, saying, commitment, organization, and discipline. You see how the enemy trains his camp and dispatches him with the no rules, rules to victimize the earth. But on the other hand, we as a church are struggling today for the lack of commitment. Only 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. The pastors who want to do the ministry, what can they do when their people are not showing up to help them? Church needs to wake up. Church is not the building. It's you and me, the people. We need to have the commitment and organization and discipline. Here is a question that's going to come very close to you and me. And again, I'm saying all these things from the place uh, I'm not preaching to you. Sometimes I am also, and not just sometimes, many times I'm ashamed of my position on this very same subject area of commitment, organization, and discipline. How regular is your reading of the word? How committed are you to the word? How committed are you to spend your time with the Lord? How disciplined are you to follow what's written in the word? How organized are you when it comes to the things of the church and the body of Christ? When the church matches to the commitment and discipline and arrangement, of this enemy with the mind of Christ, this enemy will run for his life. Paul somehow has had a clear vision into the spirit world. That's why he's going into this word and explaining it to us how crucial this life that we are living in is and how real the enemy is and how close he is to us, and that's why he used the word poly, wrestling. That the enemy is never going to quit until we give up. That's why the Bible says that whenever we take the armor of God, you and I, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about how to use the armor of God. But here, he's, taking, he's talking about take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. We'll come back to that one. But here, here's what the verse that I wanted to leave you with. It comes from Colossians chapter 2. If you forget everything that I said today, that's perfectly fine if only you can hold on to Colossians chapter 2, verses 15. It says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The thing is this, the enemy wants you to give up in this life when you are going through the, the struggles of this 
world. When, when you see your son and daughter or, or you yourself has like a certain disease, what is enemy doing? He wants you to surrender. When he takes away the money from you and make your day difficult, not able to pay the bills, what is he doing? He wants you to surrender. He wants you to give up. He wants you to take the power. He is wrestling with you. He's intimately fighting with you. And in order for us to gain the victory, the number one thing that we need to know is that we cannot fight this battle on our own. We have to fight this battle with Christ on our side. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 that he, will, 49, Isaiah 49, it says he will fight, he will contend with him who contend with us. He will contend with him. He will fight with him who fights with us. And he will save our children from going through the destruction that the enemy has planned for them. He has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, he has a plan to get us out of this situation. There is nothing too impossible for him to do. He will bring his Michael, the, the archangel, to fight on your behalf and my behalf. But as long as we have what? We have the commitment. We have the organization. And we have, you know, before anything, we should have the discipline to stay with him. When we stay with him, our, our bodies will be healed. Our marriages will be restored. Our financials will find its rightful place. But remember, you cannot fight this on your own because you're sitting in Palestra. Palestra, a place of conflict where the wrestling match happens. And you are in that wrestling match against an enemy who's trained in his boot camp. And in order for us to win this victory, you also need to have uh, your position known in Christ. Who we are in Christ. We need to talk to ourselves like what we saw here last week, that when the battle comes, we need to know who our enemy is. Next week when we come back, we're just going to read through and meditate on the armor of God. Did you know that there is a messianic promise that's written in the a book of Isaiah where it says, Jesus wore every single one of these armaments, every single piece of this equipment on himself. It is talked about several times. I did not even realize how Jesus himself was wearing this and he was just not giving up against this enemy. And, and it says very clearly that he wore these things. And we'll come back to it. But in the meantime, I want you to know that greater is he that is in you. And the one that won the battle, and he says in Colossians 2.15, he made a public spectacle of it. Let me pray for you. Some of you may be involved in this battle, and you may 
have given up yourself to this enemy or surrendered yourself to this enemy. Today morning, I'm here to refresh your memory that you are the son and daughter of the living God. And the one that is in you is greater. And you are more than a conqueror. And you have the power and authority in you, the mind of Christ in you, to bind this enemy. And the enemy has no place in your marriage. The enemy has no place in your business. The enemy has no place in your children's life. You need to bind this enemy in the name and blood of Jesus. Father God, I come before your throne of grace for every one of my brothers and sisters on this line. That you, Father God, give us the strength of this morning. Renew our minds. Renew our strength one more time. That we will stand up like David and go after our enemies that are in the campground, that are fighting very close to us, Father God, that you will give us the energy to bind this enemy because the Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loosen on the earth will be loosened in heaven. God, give us this authority restored today in me and all my brothers and sisters on this line that we will be able to go after this enemy and not give up and surrender. God, just like how you healed the woman of 18 years of infirmity, if there is anyone on this line that is just like going through this infirmity for years, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch those places and the bending will become straight and the crookedness will become straight and the walls of Jericho will come down in their places of work and businesses. The Red Sea will split as we erase the stuff against them. Father, we pray that your victory be seen in every one of our lives. We surrender ourselves, Father God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to turn this over to Miss Sarah right now and allow her to lead us in communion. Sarah, you may be on the regular line, so I'm going to unmute us. Okay. The conference right. has been unmuted. All right, Ms. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin and rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives, and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. 
And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28, when while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat this body. This is my body. Go ahead and take the bread, which represents the body of Christ. Amen. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take that cup in remembrance of him and what he did for us on the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning. As we sat under ourselves into your mighty hands, God, I pray as we eat, as we ate your bread and the blood, Father God, we become one with you and that you give us the strength and energy that we need for this day. We sat under ourselves into your mighty hands, God. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Have an amazing rest of the week. And yes. we'll come back here next week to talk about the armor of God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Miss Sarah, I made it. Sarah, Miss Jackson. She, she must have uh, stepped out. But, Hi, this okay, is that's Miss Florence Bennett. Just I wanted to know I was on. Oh, absolutely. I'll definitely let Miss Sarah know. Okay, thank you. And you're <laughs> doing you, a Ms. good Sarah. job as always. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All righty. <laughs>